I'm Bonnie Estes, and welcome to Fresh Takes on Tech. This season, we are exploring the importance of produce in human health and nutrition. Today's episode is food as medicine, how it works, and what it means to the produce industry. Our guest is Sam Hoffler with Reinvestment Partners. Welcome, Sam. It's great to have you. Thanks for having me. So let's start with, uh, tell us about yourself and your program. Our produce prescription is called Eat Well, and we started in 2018 with a $500,000 USDA grant to basically build a proof of concept. And today we've spent more than, our participants have spent more than $6 million in fruits and vegetables. Um, As I mentioned, we also have a pipeline of about $22 million um, for food. So we kind of started with the USDA and and transitioned into getting funding from the healthcare sector. So let's talk about the program. And um, it's a really unique way to make produce available to people. Um, So how does it describe how it works? Kind of walk us through how it got set up and and all the different areas that you're involved with. Yeah. So I think that um, a lot of people might be familiar with the double up bucks program where folks can use their snap or their food stamp money to go to a farmer's market or something like that and get more money for their, um, to get additional funds for produce, for example. Um, Our produce subscription program and all produce subscriptions are really focused on integrating fruits and vegetables into the healthcare sector. Um, So one way that I think that we can make changes to our current system and expand the consumption of fruits and vegetables in the U.S. is to really think about the core principles that we're integrating into these programs. So we... um, we think that, that, you know, some of these principles are really important to actually changing the narrative around this work. And um, I'll just touch on a couple that we have in, in our program. So the first one is really meet people where they are. And that's really important because we need to understand where people are already shopping and design something around that rather than saying you can access these funds at this time at this place. Um, Another thing that's really important to us when we think about something that can really be scaled is letting people buy their own food. This is key because it sounds so simple, but it's really important that folks can choose what they're eating and what their families are eating. Um, And so we're getting away from that concept of just kind of leaving a box on someone's stoop or something like that. This is really about um, integrating consumption of fruits and vegetables into their lifestyles and allowing them to purchase foods that fit their needs, their preferences, their culture, their cooking ability, all of those things. So it's really about dignity and trusting people to buy the food that works for them. And it can be um, it can be frozen, it can be canned, it can be fresh, right? It can be just produce in, in any form that fits what their lifestyle is. Exactly. And so this, um, we can get into the details of the program or I can just do a quick overview now, but basically we are offering people $40 for fruits and vegetables each month. And they get that for an extended period of time. We're talking one year, two years, sometimes three years, depending on our funding availability. Um, it can be as short as six months, but we really like to, to do at least a year for people. Um, And the way that it works is once they're enrolled, whether through our online enrollment system or they can enroll themselves, or if they're a a clinic and someone is actually enrolling them, they 
either way have access immediately to funds for fruits and vegetables. Right now it's loaded onto their customer loyalty card at North Carolina's largest grocery retailer. And so if I enrolled you today, you could go to that store in your town and buy whatever you want. And you can go as many times during the month as you want. And that $40, as you said, is used for fresh, frozen, or canned fruits and vegetables. And that's it. So $40 over what period of time? $40 a month or 40 mm-hmm. is? Yeah, yeah. Okay. per month. Yeah. And that does vary depending on the program. If a funder or for another reason wants a different amount of money, for in general, we we do 40 and in general, folks spend about that. They spend about $35 a month in fruits and vegetables. That's great. And is that more than they were spending before? I mean, are you able to understand like how that's changing their buying patterns of, of what they were sp- spending and eating before on produce? Yeah, that's a great question because um, we were able to basically, because we're using technology and we're using this retailer, we're able to get basically every purchase that folks are making, um, including fruits and vegetables, but every purchase that they're making. And then for the people who were previously shopping at that retailer, we can also see what they were buying before the program. And so we worked with UNC, University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill researchers, to check to see if program participation, giving someone $40 for fruits and vegetables, increased their purchase of fruits and vegetables, or if they just kind of substituted the money used. So for example, if I spend $40, you know, of my own money right now, and you give me 40, an additional 40 for eat well, do I spend 80 or do I just switch the two and replace um, and they found that there was no su- substitution effect and that folks were actually spending 80. Um, oh, wow. So they're almost doubling. I think it's about, uh, they're spending something like 93% more on produce each month if they receive the eWell well benefit. That's great. I mean, that's a, a really great tangible difference in, in the amount of produce that they're eating. So can you walk us through um, how the program works? How do you, I know you work with some insurance companies, you work with retailers, you work with consumers, you work with some clinics, like kind of walk us through how it works. So we first started and it was fully clinic-based and that was working well because someone, you know, whether it's a dietitian or a care manager or even a provider, although we know that providers don't have that much time usually to work with patients, um, could recommend this program. So they, we, they were basically saying, we want you to eat more fruits and vegetables for your health, but we also have a way to pay for that. And that worked really well. We were in about 40 clinics throughout North Carolina, and we expanded that program to go through to all 100 North Carolina counties. And once we did that, that was really cool because we were reaching about 30,000 people across the state. Um, and then when and when we, was that? Was that at the beginning? Yeah. So in 2018, uh, yeah. we started. And okay. then in 2020 is when we expanded statewide. And okay. once we kind of realized, I think, the potential in the healthcare sector, that's when we realized that we needed a solution that would not require um, individuals to enroll 
on an individual one-by-one basis with a health professional. So it was 2021 when we transitioned um, to, for example, our relationship with the healthcare payer and insurer. And they identified who they wanted to receive the benefit. Those folks received an email that said, hey, you're eligible for this $40 in fruits and vegetables per month benefit and folks sign themselves up. And we were able to enroll about 5,000 people in about a month because they enrolled themselves. So we really were able to accelerate that um, enrollment and then also reach, you know, a wider group of people. But in particularly, and this is particularly important, we were able to target the people that got the benefit. So the healthcare providers or the healthcare payers said, um, we want to target people and this, you know, with this type of insurance, let's say ACA or something like that. And we want to target people who have hypertension. And that's exactly what we did. We reached out to everybody that had a particular kind of insurance and also that healthcare condition. So it was a deeply targeted intervention. It wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't just like everyone could benefit in a different way. So let's give everyone fruits and vegetables. It was who do we think really needs this and can have an impact on their health in a more um, direct way. And so we were able to do that with that method. Interesting. And that's across all different socioeconomic levels, right? So this wasn't a, a lower income target necessarily. It was just across the people who needed the health benefit, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it depends. And in that case, yeah, it was specifically for a certain line of business. And then in other cases, they use, you know, our members who have this condition are, are at 200% of the po- federal poverty line, for example. So really, you can overlay whatever you're interested in. And so then how, um, how do you work with retailers and how did you set that up and, and how's that been going with the, on the retail side? On the retail side, it was important to us from the beginning to try to find, it was basically important to us to try to find a retailer that would meet the needs of most people. Um, so we kind of had to start doing that research of what retailer had the most locations and, you know, the right price point, for example. And so um, we surveyed our folks and about 95% of the people who participate in our program were already shopping at that retailer, which was a good sign for us (laughs) because we were on the right track. Um, And it was key. um, What was key to that is the technology there because in our current model for North Carolina, um, when someone enrolls, we have a we have a technological connection with the retailer, um, an API connection. And so when someone enrolls, we're actually pushing information into this retailer's database. So we're pushing their customer loyalty information into that database. And once that information gets in there, that number, that customer loyalty card number is flagged and gets access to $40. And then the $40 is renewed each month. So that's a key component. It's a technology partnership and um, the retailer doesn't, well, let me say, um, it doesn't require proprietary technology, right? This is just um, a connection to their database. So we really have an agreement with them and a way to use technology to operationalize um, adding funds to these two participants' um, customer loyalty cards. 
Mm-hmm. And and then we have a second we we have a second model that we're currently piloting, which is to use a prepaid debit card. And so oh. in this case, um, it would allow us to scale outside of North Carolina. So it's a very similar concept. Funds are loaded onto a prepaid debit card that is restricted to those very same fruits and vegetables, fresh, frozen, canned, without added salt or sugar or fat. But someone would receive a prepaid debit card in the mail and it would have, you know, eat well on it. And they, when they go to the store, their experience is they just go to a participating retailer, choose the foods they want and pay with that card as if it's a regular debit card. And that um, debit card has a national footprint. So again, with technology, right, this is something where we're working with a technology partner who is managing this prepaid debit card system. And then we would be able to expand our services outside of North Carolina. And have you launched that yet? Or are you still working on that, on the debit card? We have launched it within North Carolina and are still um, working with current funding. But I think we have a couple projects that require multi-state um, administration. And so that's kind of what we're thinking of using it for. And what are you hearing from retailers that have been involved in the program? Have they Are they happy with the fact they're selling more? And like, what kind of things do they say? Yeah, I think that, um, I think most retailers enjoy feeding people in general and, and kind of consider themselves to be yeah. mission, mission driven or mission adjacent. And so I think we've, we've experienced a lot of that, um, just excitement about being part of something that's helping local communities. Um, we got some funding from the state legislature in 2020 during COVID, and we administered about $3.5 million to folks all across North Carolina. And so that's $3.5 million to rural communities, to mountain communities, to wow. you know coastal communities. And it's going right to people, and it's also going to local businesses. Um, even though, for example, it's a large retailer, it's still going to that local um uh, yeah, the, 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 the one, the, the location that's in the town for folks. And, mm-hmm. um, we saw that most of that funding went to rural areas and that was really helpful because it helped us understand that even if we offer this program universally, which at the time, anyone who had been affected by COVID could basically call a hotline and sign up and get their $40 in fruits and vegetables, Um, We were finding that the people who were disproportionately in need, low-income folks, communities of color, were actually accessing that benefit at a much higher rate. So most of that money went into rural areas, even though we didn't necessarily do it on purpose. Um, And then through research with, again, with our partners at UNC, we found that for every dollar our participants are spending in this benefit, in our Eat Well money, um, 75 cents they're also spending 75 cents at the store. So I'll restate that. But for every dollar that someone is spending with Eat Well, they're spending an additional 75 cents at that retailer. It's not always with produce, but it's kind of a mix of things. But we're seeing, for example, that if you think about the math on that, for $5 million that we put out in food funding, the retailer will receive about $3.75 million in additional purchases. So I think there's this level of thinking about this partnership as beneficial, potentially financially for retailers. Again, also just on the human level that I think they want to help people. And then I think leveraging these large 
corporations um, with large with a large reach really has has the makings of something um, really significant. So when you bring to bear the healthcare industry and the retail industry on an issue, you're starting to gain some real traction there. This season, we are focusing on nutrition and the role that produce plays. Thank you to our sponsor, Conscious Foods from Pairwise. Driven by the belief that healthy foods should be consistently fresh, delicious, and convenient, Conscious Foods is a flagship brand under Pairwise, a mission-driven company that is building a healthier world through better fruits and vegetables. Pairwise uses gene editing to accelerate innovations in consumer foods with a focus on produce. To find out more, go to ConsciousFoods.net or Pairwise.com. And what's so exciting about it is bringing all of that together with uh, insurance and clinics and retailers and and being able to to scale it. Um, And a lot of that is the technology. Can you talk a little bit more about the technology, how you developed it and did you do it yourself? Did you bring people in? Um, are people, you know, I wonder about some of these rural areas since it's an email, is that, is it accessible to everybody? How, how are you doing all that? Yeah, that's a great question. We, like I said, we kind of started off with our direct partnership with a retailer and the retailer has 500 locations in North Carolina. So it had a really good reach and we just worked with their tech team little by little over time to develop something. And sometimes it feels like our baby or like, um, you know, I don't know, like a little craft project that we've created by sticking popsicle sticks all together. Um, (laughs) But it's real. and It's a great thing because it really enables, it sounds so simple to just push information into a database, but that partnership has just been crucial to that um, success. And so, you know, there's a way to replicate this where you could go to each retailer and kind of rebuild that, that connection or that partnership. But I think ultimately the best way to scale is going to be to have some type of prepaid debit card or some type of kind of universal experience for folks where they don't have to have, for example, a customer loyalty card, or they don't have to be in a certain town that has a certain store. And so again, technology will be key because our goal has always been to integrate into the healthcare sector, but doing so it requires a universal experience for each person. So it, it shouldn't matter if this person is in a, a very rural geography or if they're in an urban space or if they're, you know, whatever the case may be, our challenge is to make sure that every single person's experience is exactly the same. And that's mm-hmm. where technology comes into play. Um, like I said, with the, with the funding that we had that disproportionately went to rural communities, in those communities, they had a retailer. So really the only barrier was getting enrolled. And in that case, they were calling a phone number to get enrolled, right? So ah. it was super accessible. And then in other cases, as you mentioned, um, sometimes through the health insurer, it's easier to do email because maybe people are more tech savvy in a certain population and they know that, or they've already had experience, um, communicating with folks with that method. So it's really about knowing who we're working with and that the outreach or the point of enrollment will change depending on the population, whether it's phone, like I said, we do care managers one-on-one or whether it's email or text message, we've also done 
that does that can change, but that experience of how they get the funds and how easy it is to use it has to be the same for everybody. So what do you see the future? How do you see this scaling and um, your, if you're scaling outside of North Carolina, are you getting different funding and you know, how, how, where are things going to go in the next year or two, you think? Well, I think everyone is excited about the White House conference on hunger. <laughs> and we finally have a date. I know we have a date. It's so, I mean, there's probably too much, you know, um, um, yeah, hope kind of placed onto that conference. But I think that in general, there's more talk of food as medicine being integrated into the healthcare sector. There um, is just more infrastructure. We have folks inside the health sector that understand the language more, understand um, how it could look and they're interested in operationalizing it. Um, I think for us in particular, as I mentioned, having a mechanism for funds transferring basically um, or purchasing that can go across state lines and be, again, a universal experience for every participant is going to be imperative to expansion. But I think in general... I mean, our executive director likes to say that this is a billion dollar idea and it is. I mean, if we recalibrated our understanding of scale, if we treated this as we treat other prescriptions, real prescriptions, and we offered it to anyone who wasn't eating enough fruits and vegetables, that's all you, that's the only thing required to get the prescription. That would be everyone. And so even our $20 million program, if you multiply that out by 50 states, that's a billion dollars. So it sounds crazy to say it's a billion dollar idea, but then it seems very reasonable to get to that point if we think about the scale and the scope of what it would mean to, as a nation, consume the, the amount of fruits and vegetables that, that we should be consuming um, to be healthy. Yeah, what I love about this program is it really is a different way of thinking. Um, it's and there's no stigma attached, and it's just getting people to eat things that make them more healthy. Um, and so that's that's very different thinking, I think, than some of the programs in the past. And so, what do you think will come out of, or what do you what do you expect will come out of um, the conference on nutrition and and how we can think about taking care of people better? And what are what are some of the big ideas of thinking and, and changing the way that we're thinking? I think that's a great question. I wish someone in power would ask me that question. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> sorry, it's just me. <laughs> no, like someone, like you know, a politician. Because I'm like, I will advise you. I have ideas. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I mean, it's such a it's such a wonderful exercise to think about how it could be different because it really isn't that hard. I think a key component, and again, at that, at that conference, they're focused on health, nutrition, and hunger. And I think just that, you know, sometimes we have to decide what problem that we're solving. And so I would put myself in that category of hunger, but obviously it bleeds over into health. Um, and so thinking from that perspective is these initiatives have to be understood as anti-poverty anti-poverty initiatives. So I think something that that is really challenging and freeing about that idea is that it just takes money. Mm-hmm. So it's not a crazy policy proposal. It's not complicated. 
it's actually very simple. It's that people need money if they're poor and they need to buy fruits and vegetables, for example. But of course, that's freeing in a way to say, well, it's so simple. And then it's deeply challenging in another way, because if we actually gave people money on the scale that, that what we're kind of envisioning, that represents a huge shift in values. That's not what we do in the United States, right? We give people access to services. We give people access to education, but there's a deep discomfort with just giving people money. And even our program, it's restricted spending, right? We're not directly giving people a cash transfer. We are still restricting these funds, which honestly makes it more palatable in a political realm, right? It it Mm, assuages some of that discomfort. No, they can't buy anything that you don't think they should buy. Um, And so I think a key narrative shift that could come out of this conference is understanding that we can have the best policy ideas and really uh, wonderful nutrition approaches and all of these things, even buy in from different industries. But if we don't understand that if, if we're not addressing people's basic needs at that most basic level, all of those things are not going to be as effective as we hope they will be. So from our perspective, this is about anti hunger is about anti-poverty initiatives. And we know that feeding people and making sure that people are not stressed about where their food is going to come from, making sure they have enough money to feed their children has so many benefits to our health. So that's where I say that focus on hunger does also address those other sectors somewhat indirectly. And I think that's part of what this work is. The reason why we want to integrate it into the healthcare sector is because we know that it's going to improve biometrics. Like if you have high blood pressure, you know, eating fruits and vegetables will address that and will improve that. And, but we also know that there are so many kind of intangible things that happen to our bodies when we're able to eat the food that we want to eat and that makes us feel good and we don't have the stress of of not knowing where it's going to come from and so that is a world that i would love to kind of live in is to figure that out right if we take care of making sure that people have the resources they need for food and then the next step is like okay well what are the impacts and how can we bottle those up and and spread them further and do all of those things um yeah, so for me, that, that conference could really be um, strengthened by kind of dealing with the world as it is. And we have a, we have a really big problem with, um, with poverty in the United States and hunger. And, and so taking that perspective to me would, would increase its relevance, um, both generally and to just regular people who live in the U.S., is this tackled best by government funding or is it as your program, as you start working and retailers see benefits and insurance companies see benefits, is there a way to move it out of the political realm and more into uh, a private realm that could fund it that, that might just make it go faster? How do you, how do you think the funding is going to work so that this can really scale? I think that's a great question. Right now, we're really laser focused on health insurers in part because the way that our health insurance is structured in the U.S. right now, 
they stand to gain the most. So if we are right, long you know, term, just looking at exactly. paying out, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think it's really about that kind of power analysis in the long, short term. Sorry, and understanding that we may want a different a different health insurance setup in the U.S. or we may want something. But right. <laughs> we now, might. <laughs> they, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but as it stands right now, you know, private health insurers who administer about 60% of the public health insurance programs in the U.S. stand to benefit from people eating more fruits and vegetables and living healthier life- lifestyles. So we've really, you know, honed in on that as a source of sustainable funding with the recognition that not everyone is insured. And there are lots of, of you know, people who wouldn't fall right under that. But I think in that case, you know, pie in the sky world, let's say everybody who has health insurance also has a food benefit or a healthy food benefit. Okay, great. Let's go over here now and figure out the people who aren't insured. But right now, it feels like the most bang for our buck is really going to come from the healthcare sector because, as I mentioned, they just stand to benefit the most, at least from this sort of um, crass analysis. Is there a way rudimentary analysis? Right. Is there a way to help push them along through some government policy? Is that is that some a place that government can play to just incentivize them in some way? I yes. And there are groups out there who are doing this advocacy right now. So there are pathways to mm-hmm. covering uh, food as medicine initiatives, whether that be um medically tailored meals, produce prescriptions, medically tailored groceries. And there are pathways to do that through Medicare, um, Medicaid. And so there are ways that the government can make it easier for these um, initiatives to be accessible, uh, covered, and um, messaged. So that can happen under certain um, Medicare programs a produce prescription would be covered, but it's still very difficult to administer to make sure providers know that. And how do you do that? As I mentioned, universally, do you use local organizations? There are a lot of questions there that haven't been answered yet. Um, But in principle, yes, there are pathways that the government itself as an insurance provider can use. And then in addition to your point, I think the government always has ways to incentivize or uh, I want to say coerce <laughs> industry <laughs> into doing things. So I think, yes. And I, I think that's what we're kind of excited about, about the White House conference is that it seems like they're really making food as medicine a priority and what that means remains to be seen, but it could mean something like what you're talking about, where the government is incentivizing, pushing, prioritizing, otherwise moving this along to the best of their ability in all of those different spheres. Great. Well, I have one last question for you. Um, and you've touched on these, but I'd like to hear your kind of summary of it is what are three things that need to be done to get people to eat more fruits and vegetables? <laughs> well, it's funny that um, my thought is that in the near term, the healthcare sector needs to pay for it. In the long term, the government needs to pay for it. <laughs> And then the really long game is to change our systems and policies to make sure that everyone can afford it and that our, our world is, is created in a way that allows people to 
without intervention or with invisible intervention, right? Whether that's subsidies or however that's worked out um, in the machinations of the government, their experience is that they can, and everyone can just afford fruits and vegetables. So I definitely think that in the near term, the healthcare sector is our target. And then ultimately I would like to see it be in priority from the government and way down the line, we shouldn't even know that anything's happening and it should just be accessible and affordable for everyone. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Fresh Takes on Tech, a podcast from the International Fresh Produce Association. Keep connected with us by subscribing to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you like what you've heard, please rate the show. That helps us keep delivering the latest on produce technology. Thank you for listening. Until next time.